Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Are you being influenced? If you watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, then there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, Call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. What if I told you there was a dude 
who had seen some horrible things in his life had done some horrible things. I'm talking violence, death, torture, plague, a life that was ugly. And this dude was hard as nails by now. Had seen it all, had done it all, had lived through it all, hard as nails. And this dude came across the site. He came across something that terrified him so much that he turned around and went back home. Would you want to know what that something is? I'll tell you in a few. 1431 or 1428 or 1429. Look, that's my way of saying we don't know. Nobody knows. But a young man was born and his name was Vlad. Now Vlad's father, his name was also Vlad. And they lived in Wallachia or Wallachia, depending on how you pronounce it. I say Wallachia because I think it sounds cooler. They lived in Wallachia. You need to think Romania. That's what we're talking about here, Romania. And Vlad the Elder, well, he was a Christian. Wallachia was a Christian kingdom. This is the 1400s, keep in mind. We're talking popes, Holy Roman Empire, Crusades, all these things. So you had all these Christian nations of Europe. Well, Romania, if you look at a little map, sits just northwest of Turkey. What was Turkey back in the day? The Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire at this time was easily, and I mean easily, the most powerful nation on earth. It was also Muslim. And these are the days, these are long before the days of religious tolerance. These are the days of, oh, you're a Muslim? Let me cut your face off. And when you're in the Ottoman Empire, oh, this guy's a Christian. Let us saw him in half. That's the kind of times we're talking about. Now, Europe, for the reasons I just stated, they hate the Ottoman Empire. They view it as their mission from God to take the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire, the Muslims, view it as their mission from God to take Europe. And look, let's be honest. Let's, let's just boil this down. That's easy to say now. A lot of this, yes, I'm sure religion came into play. A lot of this was powerful men doing the same thing powerful men have done throughout the history of mankind, which is what? Gain even more power. That's what powerful men want. So when you're in Europe and you're like, we should take the Ottomans from those Muslims, what you're really saying is, I could use some more territory and they, they've got some sweet spices over there. And equally, when you're the Muslim sultan and you're talking about we should, we should do a jihad against those dirty Christians who don't believe in Muhammad, Sure, you believe that, but part of you is like, I mean, they have some really sweet mountains up there, too. Wouldn't mind a little castle in there. 
Let's just be honest about it. Nevertheless, you have Wallachia. So Europe is a piece of bread. The Ottoman Empire is a piece of bread. And you need to think of Wallachia as a big old piece of ham right in between. It is the gateway into Europe. It's the gateway into the Ottoman Empire, which is not a lovely place to be. Vlad, the senior, was nominated, entered, however you want to put it. He was put into the Order of the Dragon, which was a Christian group made to fight Muslims. And that's what Dracul meant. Vlad Dracul. Dracul meant dragon. And his son, little Vlad, was called Vlad Dracula, meaning son of the dragon. Yes, in case you're wondering, all those Dracula movies you've seen, all the vampire movies, they all came from Mr. Vlad Dracula. And once I get done telling his little tale, you'll have a pretty good idea why. He was actually a real person. He did not have fangs. He also killed more people in his lifetime than any fictional Dracula ever dreamt of. And frankly, killed them in worse ways. So you're Vlad Dracul. Again, you're Vlad the Senior. You get word that actually some people in Hungary, some people in Europe, are going to try to overthrow your throne, and they're kicking you out, and you don't get to be king anymore, and you get super mad about it. So where do you turn? Well, remember, you're the ham in between these two pieces of bread, and if one of those pieces of bread is coming at you, Christian or not, you turn to the other one. And he went on down to the Ottoman Empire and talked to the sultan. And he brought his two little sons along. His seven-year-old son, Radu, and his 11-year-old son, Vlad. Hey, sultan. I would really, really love it if you could give me some army and some dudes and give me my throne back. And if you do that, obviously, I'll be paying tribute to you. And the sultan said, you know, that actually works for me. I'd love to have a little vassal kingdom up there. Here's the thing, though. Uh, If you want your throne back, you're going to have to leave me your sons. Now, that probably sounds crazy to you. But understand this, that was common practice back in the day to leave hostages, hostages that were close to you with people you entered into some kind of an agreement or a treaty with. Now, when I say hostages, understand something. They weren't thrown in a dungeon. They weren't held at knife point. When you would leave these hostages, mutually agreed upon hostages, they were oftentimes treated extremely well. And I mean extremely well. Nevertheless, you did leave them. And not only did you leave them, you left them with somebody your sons have grown up hating because your entire life, if you're Vlad Dracul, you're Vlad the Dragon. You're the Christian guy who fights these Muslims. And now you take them down to the Muslim Sultan and you say, hey, boys, yeah, I mean, I like hanging out with you, but I don't like it as much as being a king. So you're going to have to stay with this guy that I've told you was a scumbag for your entire existence. Seven-year-old Radu, because he's seven and boys are a bit more pliable at seven, was like, oh, cool. Okay. Eleven-year-old Vlad, not so much. 
Radu was personable and kind. And again, they were treated very, very well. And we'll get to that in a moment. Radu was personable and kind. Vlad, not so much. Used to actually take beatings, not tortured, but beatings because he would rebel every possible way. However, the boys were treated well, fed well, educated well, educated on languages, educated on mathematics, educated on philosophy. The Muslim world back then especially was extremely educated, educated on warfare, all different kinds of warfare, educated on pain. And Vlad, being a bitter 11-year-old boy, took a liking to that that education. All of it. And don't get me wrong, he soaked up all the warfare stuff, the languages, the philosophy. But little Vlad, he enjoyed those dungeons in the Ottoman Empire, watching the various ways they would hurt people, while also hating the Ottomans. And Vlad isn't going to be stuck in the Ottoman Empire forever. He's going to take a throne himself one day. Jesse Kelly. Vlad Dracul, Vlad the Senior, eventually goes back, takes command of Wallachia, and look, this story is endlessly complicated. I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but he dies, as we all will. Vlad the Younger takes off back, assumes the throne. Now, I didn't go into everything, but let's just say... There's been a lot of aristocrats in Wallachia during this period who screwed over Vlad's father, screwed over Vlad, did a lot of things you could probably say they should not do. When Vlad the Younger, Vlad Dracula, Vlad the Impaler, who I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to call him from now on, when he goes back home, his younger brother Radu stays in the Ottoman Empire, and Vlad hates him for this because Radu loves the Ottoman Empire. Well, Vlad the Impaler goes back home, assumes the throne, begins to win various battles he fights. Vlad the Impaler is a lot of things, and we're about to talk about those things, but a military genius is one of them. The dude was a stud in combat, a stud, and not only commanding, the guy had extensive hand-to-hand combat training in the Ottoman Empire. And word is that at least one of the people who tried to overthrow him got his head cut off by Vlad himself in combat. Vlad was a beast. And as I will explain to you as we move along here, brave, extremely brave. Kind of deranged, though, too. He takes the throne. Remember all those aristocrats? They were called boyars. But remember all those aristocrats who had screwed him over, screwed his father over? 
well, we're going to let bygones be bygones. Let us have a banquet, a gigantic Easter banquet. We will celebrate the fact that Christ is risen. Kind of. Instead, he brings 200 of these aristocrats and their wives and their children into a massive banquet hall. They feast and they drink. And then Vlad calls in all of his men where he seizes them. He takes the old and infirm and he marches them outside and impales them on the spot. Now, before I continue going, I need to explain to you what impalement is And I apologize, I will keep this as PG as I possibly can, because I always want this to be a show you can listen to with your children. That's why I don't cuss. That's why I don't use any vulgar stuff. However, I need to explain to you what it is, because it's probably much, much worse than you think. Impalement, it was done in several different ways, but the way Vlad did it was by far the most brutal, which is not very surprising. You see, you can impale somebody... By sharpening a long wooden stick to a really sharp point and jamming that stick into their chest, out their back, and then propping them up on it. So they kind of hang there and kind of slide down it. If you can believe it, that is actually the very, very humane way to impale somebody. Because you can also do it the way Vlad chose to do it. Now, this is going to be a little rough. So kids, cover your ears. Parents, Hold down your breakfast. Vlad took a long wooden stick, and he didn't want the pointy end of it very sharp. In fact, he made sure the pointy end of it was pretty stinking blunt. He would lay you down. He would, depending on the circumstances, either place the blunt end of that stick where you go number two, or would make an incision in between where you go number two and number one, place the end of that stick in there, the blunt blunt end of that stick, oftentimes greased, and would take a hammer on the other end and hammer it in to make sure it was really good. Now, I know what you're saying, Jesse. Why is it blunt? Well, it's blunt because he wanted you to suffer. He did not want your internal organs to be pierced and have you die. If you have a blunt stick where you, well, when you get penetrated, that blunt stick will not stab the organs. It will simply move the organs around because the end of it is blunt and rounded and it won't pierce anything. And that is a level of agony that you cannot possibly imagine. And he would hammer that stick far enough into you And then he would lift you up and plant that stick into the ground where you would take hours, sometimes days, to die as the stick slowly made its way up through your body and exited your body at various points. Pictures will show you it came out their mouth. or That didn't happen. That's a myth. But it would come out by your collarbone somewhere, out your chest somewhere, depending on where you're moving when it finally punctures. But keep in mind, you are still alive. At this time. And let me finish off impalement. I will not describe it to you again because I know that was rough. Let me just say, as you can imagine, there are multiple stories throughout history of people begging anyone passing them by to kill them as they sit there on a stick like that. Impalement is not pleasant. Vlad the Impaler loved it.
So he took those old and infirm aristocrats outside and impaled them. He took the others down by a river where he had a bunch of, you know, cauldrons and fires going, and he was making bricks. And he had the other aristocrats make bricks, carry those bricks, and build him a castle. And I mean a castle, an absolute fortress. This castle was in Teguviste, which was the capital of Wallachia. Remember that. We're going to come back to it. Vlad had an awesome castle built in Teguviste. Well, those aristocrats got killed. Now, Vlad wasn't only bad. Understand this, and this can be hard to explain, but Vlad is still hailed as a hero in Romania today. An absolute legend. They practically worship the guy. We'll get to why in a moment, but part of why is Vlad was actually fairly progressive when it comes to treating peasants well. This was a very feudal age where everything was ruled by kings and lords and, you know, you're in charge of this and you're in charge. And Vlad did not like that at all. He thought that peasants had rights too, lots of them. And treated peasants, well, some of them well. When I say some of them, Vlad also had a very strict way about how he viewed how society should be ordered. He viewed the old and infirm as a burden on society. He also viewed the homeless as a burden on society. So remember that banquet we just had? Uh, Vlad had another one, and he took all the beggars and fed them a massive banquet, and then he locked all the doors and burnt the building down with them inside, thus taking care of Wallachia's homeless problem in a bit of a rough way. Now... Emissaries were sacred. Remember I've told you how sacred emissaries are? Well, Mehmed II, the sultan of the Ottoman Empire, he sends some emissaries to Vlad. And these emissaries approach Vlad and they say, hey, uh, you need to pay your yearly tribute to the Ottoman Empire. And Vlad says, you know, I think you should remove your hat when you talk to me because I'm a king. And emissaries said, I understand that. They said it very respectfully. I understand that that's what you would like. However, that is not our custom. We're emissaries. We don't, we don't remove our hat for you. And Vlad said, I understand. I, I, I get that. I get that. And so he turned to his left where he had two large nails because there were two emissaries and two large hammers to go with these nails. He then gave his signal to the men where the men carried the nails over, placed them on top of the heads of the emissaries, and nailed their hats into their skulls. Oh, did I mention that Vlad hated thieves? Yeah, I have a story about that, too. Impaler also hated thieves. Not only did he round all of them up, everyone you could find, and impale them, sometimes, well, 
Sometimes he did more than just impale them. One thief who got caught claimed that being impaled was way too harsh for the crime he'd committed. Vlad said, you know what? I agree. So he had the man boiled alive and fed him to the village. Now, you can say these measures were a little harsh, <laughs> to, put the, to, to put it mildly, but they were effective. Thievery in Wallachia almost completely disappeared under Vlad. In fact, there's a famous story about a merchant. You see, again, remember, this is, this is in Wallachia. This is right on that gateway from the east to the west, so merchants had to pass through all the time. A merchant rolls into the Wallachia with a cart full of goods and gold. Goes up to Vlad in the castle and says, hey, man, I'm just passing through. Would you mind giving me a couple of your dudes to watch my wagon overnight? Vlad says, you know what? Uh, I wouldn't worry about that. This is Wallachia. You just uh, just go ahead and park your cart right in the middle of the town square. Nobody will touch it. Well, nobody did touch it except one dude. Merchant goes back the next day and finds, I forget the exact number, I think it was 200 gold bars, basically, were missing. Goes and tells Vlad. Vlad says, oh, don't worry about it. I already found them. And Glad put Vlad has his men put back in the merchant's cart 201 gold bars. Merchant goes back, sees he has 201, goes back to the castle and says, hey, Vlad, uh, I appreciate you uh, giving me all the money back, but you gave me an extra one. And he wa- he approached Vlad at the same time the thief had been found. And Vlad says, I appreciate your honesty. Had you not brought back the extra one I'd given you, you'd be impaled on a stick right beside this thief I'm about to impale. Yeah, the dude hated thieves. Now, again, remember this. Vlad was cruel, yes. No question. However, he was a brilliant military mind. He did a lot of great things for them, and most importantly, especially according to them, Wallachia and nowadays Romania, he fought the Turks. He fought the Ottomans. You see, we have an issue here. Vlad refused to pay his tribute. Remember when he nailed the nail into the head of the the, uh, emissaries from the Ottoman Empire? Well, they didn't take too kindly to that. So they keep sending nasty messages. They're sending things back and forth. And finally, the sultan of the Ottoman Empire says, okay, we're going to send one of our most important chiefs just to meet with you and talk things out. And Vlad says, sure. Only this chief starts riding towards Vlad, and he has a thousand men with him. And it turns out this chief was actually on a mission to kidnap Vlad and take him back to the sultan. And I don't think I have to elaborate for you how that would have gone. Remember how I said Vlad was very good? Yeah, he had spies everywhere, and he found out about this. So he ambushes the chief with his thousand men. He impales all 1,000 of them and puts the chief on the highest stake there was. Well, now it's war. And Vlad knows it's war. Remember I said Vlad was brave, though? He takes 
one of the senior officers of this thousand-man group, he puts on the guy's uniform. Remember where Vlad grew up, everybody? Ottoman Empire. What language do you think Vlad speaks fluently? Mm-hmm. Vlad puts on this guy's uniform, rides up to this massive Ottoman fortress, and orders the men at the gates to open the city gates as if he's in charge, says it in perfect Turkish. And they do it. And Vlad's army storms in and takes over the fortress. Like I said, the guy had balls of steel. (laughs) Absolute balls of steel. Now, I need to explain. Remember, the Ottoman Empire is the most powerful empire on earth at the time. Uh, Wallachia was very much not. Very much not. Yes, they had a a leader very capable. They were had a f- good fighting spirit, but this is not a winnable battle. Nevertheless, the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire, who's had just about enough of Vlad, decides, okay, it, it's time to handle this whole Ottoman problem. I've had enough of this. And he gathers, look, the numbers are all over the place. I've read a dozen different things on this. Some people say 100,000, some say 300,000. He gathers up a lot of people and heads towards Wallachia. The most people Vlad can gather up is 30,000 men. So clearly he's about to lose. Well, remember, this is Vlad the Impaler. He's not going to lay down. And so he begins poisoning the wells. He begins killing his own livestock, doing that real scorched earth thing. He locates people dying of the bubonic plague and sends them into the Turkish army, spreading the plague everywhere, fighting that kind of guerrilla warfare, these attacks at night. Well, the Turks are dying, and the Turks are angry, but the Turks are still coming. Finally, Vlad finds out where the sultan is laying one night, finds out which camp he's in, because again, he had spies everywhere, Vlad invades the camp trying to kill the sultan and actually would have, but he got lost and attacked the wrong tent and his men attack at night and kill 15,000 of them. Now Vlad is still way, way, way outnumbered. The sultan is still coming. So he backs off. He goes away. At least that's what the sultan thinks. And now the sultan approaches the capital city of Teguviste. Only there's nobody around. He's approaching this city and there's nobody here. It's the capital city. Where'd everybody go? And the city gates were swinging back and forth open. Well, they're a little weirded out, but okay, it's not the end of the world. And so they enter the city, the Sultan and his army. And they start making their way towards Vlad's castle, which is three miles into the center of the city. And as they approach the castle, they start to see something in the distance. It looks weird. It's that did he plant a bunch of trees in perfect concentric circles around his castle? What what is this? And as they get closer and as they get closer, they begin to see what they thought were trees are actually the bodies of 23,000 Turks impaled on sticks in perfect concentric circles around the castle 
Vlad had a forest of impaled Turks waiting for the Turkish army when they walk in. Some reports say men actually lost control of their bowels when they saw it. It was that kind of a horrifying sight. Imagine a forest of impaled countrymen of yours. The next day, the sultan and his army, they turned around and went home. Now, the story doesn't actually have a happy ending. They they sent a rear guard back, and Vlad didn't have any kind of an army left. They did end up actually taking it. Both sides claimed victory. It's one of those weird things. And then Vlad was finally betrayed one day. And he was betrayed in an ugly way by a Turkish assassin and had his head cut off. The assassin cut off his head in the middle of a battle where Vlad was, of course, leading the charge. But then something interesting happened. The sultan sent an assassin to cut off Vlad's head. The assassin cuts off Vlad's head, takes possession of Vlad's head. And, well, hang on. I'll explain. The Jesse Kelly Show. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com. They cut off Vlad the Impaler's head and rode it right back to the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire, who finally got his guy. And the Sultan chose to honor him, chose to put the head in honey, which is how they preserved it back then, and treasured it. You see, even the Sultan of the great Ottoman Empire respected a worthy adversary. And all the horrible things he did, which, look, I mean, I touched on them. I would highly recommend you do as much reading as you feel like on Vlad the Impaler. Fascinating character. Again, still honored to this day. And I've, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I've, been, I've had so many Messages from people who are very, very, very frustrated with President Donald Trump. Especially people who are having their businesses wiped out, people who are out of work, so on and so forth. And I'm hearing all these complaints about him shutting down the economy, about him listening to Dr. Fauci. I'm hearing complaints about his open up, open up the economy council, which, you know, I've complained about all these things as well. And here's what you need to understand. And I don't work on his campaign. I'm not a pom-pom waiver for any man and will never be. I voted for him. I'll vote for him again. We're all complicated. They still honor Vlad the Impaler to this day. Vlad the Impaler locked all the homeless people in a room and burnt the building down. But Vlad the Impaler was fanatically brave and fought off what they viewed as horrific invaders. Aren't we all good and bad? Isn't that our nature? 
Good and bad. I'm, we've already talked about Genghis Khan once on the show. I'm sure we'll talk about him again. Uh, yeah, he killed 40 million people with the sword. Was also extremely religiously tolerant. Made a very safe kingdom for everybody underneath him. Life really wasn't bad if you weren't one of the people who got your heads chopped off. Donald Trump, his best quality, well, I should say his most electable quality, is his relatability. Now, don't laugh, because I understand he's a New York billionaire that lives in a gold-plated apartment when he's not in Washington, D.C. But Trump, because his father made him work construction jobs when he was younger, Trump understood the working man, spoke and still speaks the language of the working man. Trump, for better or for worse, I say for better, is the first major Republican of my lifetime who has no shame whatsoever about his base. There's always a little of that with every major Republican. Oh, gosh, build the wall. Here we go. Got the crazy wing nut in illegal immigration. Trump never did that. Even the birth certificate thing. Chris, do you remember the Obama birth certificate thing? Everybody remembers that. Let me tell you a little secret about the birth certificate thing. Remember my gladiator theory about the shame society we live in and how people can't be honest about what they really believe and what they really want? I was running for Congress at the time when Obama was about to be president, and then I was running for Congress still after he was president. And so I was hot and heavy into politics during all this. And when I say running for Congress, I ran hard. It's how some no-name idiot almost actually got elected. I was at every event, you name it, every Republican club, uh, meeting at the VFW, pancake breakfast, Rotary Club. I was at every one of them, running like a beast. Do you have any idea how many people really believed that Barack Obama was born in Kenya. It Maybe you believe it, maybe you don't. That's not my business. My point of it is, it was half of the Republican voting base, at least. And every other major national Republican, I wouldn't touch it. And every other major national Republican got up and said, oh, that's ridiculous, that's stupid. Remember what Donald Trump did? He went national with it. I think his birth certificate's a fake. Now, you can laugh at him. You can say that's cartoonish, or you could worship him for it and say, man, that's really cool. But the truth is he's not afraid of his base. He's not afraid of the people who love him. It's his benefit, his relatability. He can do that. He gets it. But it's complicated because, yes, he knows them. He understands his base. He gets it. He is a populist. But, yes, he's still a New York billionaire. And so his economic counsel is embarrassing. Let's just be honest about it. You look at that list of his reopen the economy counsel. Which working man is represented on that freaking thing? It's a who's who of the banking industry, this swamp rat, that swamp rat. It's what it is. There's no small business owner on there. There's no guy pounding nails for a living on there. It's a who's who of people who think they should be in charge of your life. And yes, I think it stinks. 
But I'm also willing to grant a bit of mercy because, again, we're all complicated. We're all good and bad. I consider myself one of the worst people on earth. I'm still capable of doing some really good things. I've done a few in my life. Aren't you the same? Life is complicated. Hang on. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years, was solely dedicated working on the cover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me a drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink. The guys come in. I'm going to go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her $100. If you're with the mob, I say, hey, Jordan, you're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country. Heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. The complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes, our nation's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to its programs. Hollywood is under siege from external forces. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover. Brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. 
The 2024 election is upon us, and now is the time to fight back against the war on masculinity in American society today. Thankfully, the patriots at Chalk, C-H-O-Q, are here to help real American men maximize their masculinity by boosting testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. I've been taking a male vitality stack from Chalk for like three years now. It is incredible. They are here to help make American men strong again. Testosterone testosterone fueled again maximize your masculinity today at choq.com use the code jesse for a massive discount on any chalk subscription for life choq.com code jesse limited time offer subscription cancelable at any time 